There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Across the UK, online and on DAB. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. Femba can go to hell. Topical talk, outspoken opinion and inspirational conversation on the hour of badass power. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators but no one compares. Minter, Campbell and Sexton are your all new Saturday night super squad. Badass Women's Hour on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. One, two, three, four! Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm here with my fabulous co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. Nat, how are you this week? I'm fabulous, thank you very much, my lovely. And how are you feeling today? Good. I'm, I'm feeling energised, even with everything going on in the world. I'm seeing opportunity here. Nice. Good motto to live by. Emma, how are you? I'm great, thank you. Yes, I feel like this week has just flown by. It's been really intense, but lots of great stuff. And like now, I'm trying to channel my inner optimist about the world. Yeah. it is a great place. It is a great place, and sometimes we need to see the positive. So we're going to be starting our discussion this week with the biggest news story, the story that has taken over Twitter, the one that you are all talking about this week, and that is the very important day that happened, Winnie the Pooh Day. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I just need to clue you in on our editorial meetings when we say things like, what should we talk about this week? We could talk about Trump, we could talk about Obama, or we could talk about Winnie the Pooh. Uh, So this week was Winnie the Pooh Day, and I feel like a strong affection for this because I actually grew up very near the Hundred Acre Forest. Did you? Yeah, that's my... And I, when I was 12, I went on a Duke of Edinburgh expedition, and you had to have a theme for your Duke of Edinburgh expedition, and everybody else's was like noting nature or finding acorns, and ours was hunting for Winnie the Pooh. So we took a toy Winnie the Pooh teddy bear and like basically stuck him in trees and took pictures. Sounds like fun. I know, that is what my parents paid for. Uh, (laughs) Nat, tell me why you love Winnie the Pooh so much. So I, I'm new to Winnie the Pooh in that it's not a story or yeah, a series of stories that I remember growing up, but I read The Tower of Pooh uh, about six years ago and it's the beautiful um, storytelling that, that shows what an actual like Buddhist monk Pooh was. Everything he says is magical. And I remember being on the tube, falling out with laughter, because of just the things he says and and the way 
that he says things and the spirit that he gets you into and the the banter and the jokes between him piglet and and tigger it's just and Christ, christopher robert just absolutely loved it um so he holds a special place in my heart emma do you feel the same no i have a real barrier with my emotional connection to winnie the pooh and that's because his last name is pooh and i just can't get past that I, I can't, I can't. No. My brain just does not compute. It's just not spelled in that way, though, Emma. I feel like you're Regardless. casting aspersions on Winnie the Pooh's personal life you just know nothing about. <laughs> I just can't get over it. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, there's a lovely quote here from Winnie the Pooh that I am going to read because I feel very personally con- like assigned to this, which is um, on self-reward. This is what Pooh teaches us about rewarding ourselves. Pooh always liked a little something at 11 o'clock in the morning, and he was very glad to see Rabbit getting out the plates and mugs. And when Rabbit said, honey, your condensed milk with your bread, he was so excited that he said both. And then, so as not to seem greedy, he added, but don't bother about the bread, please. <laughs> and that is my attitude to food in a quote. It's <laughs> life. Attitude to life. Oh, it just warms your heart. It is. And it's about embracing everything that is around you and just going for it full barrels. And we are in a really full barrel mode here today because we're recording this on Friday and tomorrow we are going out marching. Very we're putting excited. our marching boots on. We are joining the Women's March that's taking place in London. Um, in case you haven't seen, there are women's marches going on across the world, kind of in protest, but also just in acknowledgement of the Trump presidency and what that means for women. Um, I've personally never been on a march before, Me so neither. I'm very excited. I'm very excited. Very excited. Emma, what are you most excited about? Uh, I'm excited because there are so many people I know that are going, so it just feels like a lovely day to be with you know some of the my close friends um and also i just want to see loads of men there as well like there's a lot there's a lot of people that i know are bringing their partners and things so you know i know it's called the women's march but actually it's a march for you know everybody to go you know we're not going to stand for for things so yeah i'm excited about being a part of that and and feeling the energy what does it mean for you why are you doing it for me, it's it's definitely solidarity. It definitely feels like, actually, if there's a lot of us making a noise, because I feel like that with the world, especially with the internet now, we are less controlled about things. We don't have to put up with things. We can make a bigger noise. You know, it only takes one person to tweet something that becomes viral. You can have a million people doing something. So I feel like the more of us doing these things and sharing, we can we can create big changes if we want to. Um, it's not out of our control anymore. We can take Trump on on his own home turf of Twitter. Yes. 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 Exactly. <laughs> Matt, do you agree? I do. I, I mean, I've I've never marched before. I have a different um, take on activism. My activism is is very. Uh, it's an entrepreneur's version of activism, which is I'm just going to take on the organisation directly by by running it. So I'll become your boss's <laughs> boss. That's that's my version. So I'm excited to go because of the solidarity. I'm excited to go to talk to people and find out. Okay, so what next? So yes. you're marching. But what are you going to be doing on Sunday? What are you going to be doing on Wednesday? What are you going to be doing six months from now to make sure that this wasn't just an empty moment? And I think if I see lots of men there as well, we know that we've moved forward because people realise if this is affecting women all over the world, it is going to affect men too. And when I say this, it's not just Trump, but it's the onslaught of things that are happening to women and and the the loss of rights um and the lowering of 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 human rights for women around the world that is the bigger issue yeah it feels like the ad campaign doesn't it yeah for 
getting you to to buy the product and do things afterwards it feels like the the first step and a catalyst of a big change so i'm hoping it's not just a march and a fun day out and then you know we forget about it i hope that's the catalyst for lots of big changes and people really taking this on board yeah so we actually talked to christina lamb author and foreign correspondent for the sunday times about her views on uh, the women's march and what it means for the trump presidency and beyond nobody could have imagined a few years ago that somebody that says the kind of things about women, behaves the way that he does, could possibly even have been candidate for president, let alone actually becoming the 45th president of the United States. Um, You know, when you look at some of the comments that he's made about women talking about pancake tits and women flipping their panties for him and the kind of things that he's done like i mean somebody i know at the new york times wrote something about him a few years ago or about his companies actually and he sent the article back to her with her picture all scrolled out and an arrow pointed to it saying face of a dog um it's hard to imagine that that somebody who behaves like that could be president of the most powerful country on earth. And Christina, do you think today's women's marches around the world will have any impact on Donald Trump whatsoever? Oh, I doubt it. He'll just, you know, um, say that these are kind of bad losers. And no, I'm sure that he, he, it won't bother him in the least. He'll probably revel in it. I do think it's amazing how so many different countries, I mean, I'm getting messages from people in so many places around the world that are mobilizing and going out to march, so um, which is good. It is good, but if it doesn't have an impact on his policy and on his behavior, is there a point to it and what else do we need to do? Well, you know, what else can you do other than sort of express horror at this? sort of misogynist behaviour and the hateful rhetoric that he's shown and and show that, you know, people care about this and not just in the United States but around the world and you can't treat half the population of the world like that. So, um, you know, I it, it's hard to see at this point quite what else you can do. He is um, now president of the United States and um, we kind of have to live with that, but at least to make clear what people feel about some of the things he's said and done. That was Christina Lamb talking about the Women's March and Trump presidency and what we should all be expecting. And I'm feeling quite kind of... the. The political is personal right now. It does feel really, really personal. And maybe that's why I have such a strong reaction to the next story that we're going to be talking about. Nat, tell me about Theresa May and Vogue. So in uh, the spring of this year, Theresa May, our Prime Minister, will grace the covers of US Vogue, which, uh, as most people would know uh, the editor-in-chief of US Vogue is Anna Wintour she is is British and it's been played out as you know an invitation by her to celebrate our, our, our female prime minister what it also coincides with is um, Theresa May's meeting with Trump in the US at the same time so a number of things played out in my mind here it's firstly a British politician on the front cover of probably, you know, one of the biggest publications in the world, US Vogue. Has that happened before? I think not. What does this actually mean? I think there's another thing here in the 
because we have a female prime minister, what she wears and when and why, in the same way it was done with Hillary Clinton on, on the campaign trail, is always read into. So acknowledging that and her fashion is is, is interesting. But I also have a, a, another thing which is maybe slightly more trivial. And people moan about how much her clothes cost. She is the prime minister. Should, do I want my prime minister walking out in... You know, a two ninety nine t shirt going to represent us around the world. No, I want her to look badass. I want her to represent and be stylish. I want her to wear amazing British designers, and I hope all of that comes together on this front cover, along with a very, very good interview about why she thinks women's rights uh, need to be improved around the world. But is Vogue the right medium for this? I mean, wouldn't we rather see her on the front cover of Time or Newsweek or the New York Times? Something with some heft and some gravitas. Well, I think for for anything that you can say about Theresa May, she is a female Prime Minister. She is an incredible role model and I feel like on the front cover of something like Vogue, that's much more mainstream. You think about the range of women that read Vogue, the different ages. I just know how important role models are. So for me, I think, yeah, you could have it on the top of the obvious uh, front cover of the news publications, but that's a certain demographic reading that and actually I want everybody to see that there is a female Prime Minister and if you are 15 and reading Vogue you want to be her. But is Vogue the right medium? Because I'm actually already kind of upset with Theresa May and what I'm seeing is her kind of appeasement of Donald Trump. You know mm. there has been no statement about her views on his views on women and her his behaviour towards them and I feel that's really I feel a little bit icky about that and I understand why that has to happen. I understand that she has to keep that relationship up but it doesn't sit easily with me. To then put yourself on the front cover of a magazine which regularly decries women for their beauty standards, for their shape, for their size, just feels a little bit like, lady, whose team are you on? Well, yes, but I mean, I think she's been acknowledged for being the Prime Minister. She's not being acknowledged for her beauty, is she? Like, in the terms of a, a traditional sense of beauty and what we'd expect to see on Vogue. So, But we were talking about this before. She is on the front cover because she is a woman. Because Cameron was not on the front cover. Blair was not on the front cover of US Vogue. This is major... Michelle Obama, I think, had the cover twice, maybe three times over the eight years. This is for global political weight. Merkel has not... I think I talk about Merkel every week. I think I'm in love with Merkel. Love Merkel. Love Merkel. Not been on the front cover. So, you know, she's got this this opening out to the world, which says a lot potentially about how she wants to be perceived. I just hope she does more to talk about women and challenge Trump. And I hope whoever has done the interview asks her some serious questions around what she thinks women need in 2017. Because what I really want to see from Theresa May is I really want to see her taking a stand on male behaviour and the way that men and the language they use around women really cannot stay as it is in the current situation. Mm. And that for me is creating a very strange atmosphere at the moment creating a very strange atmosphere, not just in our politics, but also in the world around us. And particularly this week, a couple of stories about men on public transport and the Mm. weirdness that is happening there. Um, So the first one that came out was uh, on Women's Hour this week and then again in The Guardian about men watching porn, actually watching porn on the tube. I mean, is there a less sexy place to get your rocks off than the tube? Really? (laughs) I mean, there isn't. So what on earth do they think they're doing? Emma? 
I, I just don't, I don't know. I mean, when I heard the, the Women's Hour interview, the type of porn that was being watched was the manga cartoon porn, which again is even, I mean, I just <laughs> have no, no idea. But yeah, I mean, like, it must be really frustrating. Or maybe he was on his way somewhere and needed to warm himself up. <laughs> I have no idea. But there's a time and a place. And uh, it's... There is a time and place, and I think it's also really disrespectful to women, right? It's really like, you don't know what the woman sitting next to you has been through, and the reality is most pornography out there is geared to a specific male taste, and it's often quite violent towards women. You don't know what some girl is sitting next to you on the tube, glances over, and is potentially seeing parts of her own life reenacted for your pleasure. I find that really uncomfortable. But a question, is the the discomfort the fact that he's watching it on the tube in a public place or is the discomfort around the content more broadly yeah good question. because if someone chooses to watch content at home in the privacy of their own space and it's you know over 18 content it's not violent it's, it's not brutal it's you know it's legal porn would we have an issue taking it into a public space where other people can engage possibly changes that so I don't have a fully formed opinion on this because I haven't seen the content. I, I don't watch porn. I, I don't. I have no concept of what it is that he would have been watching. But I do know that if I heard it, it would make me feel uncomfortable. I don't know if I would say something and I don't know how I would react. So we're actually going to be coming back in part two and discussing this further and discussing what the reaction should be on public transport when you experience some form of harassment. We'll be talking about our own circumstances in that and what we've all been through and we'll also be talking to Nikki Hodgson author and columnist about her new book The History of Dating Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio she'll get you talking Welcome back to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass. We're here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. And today we're also joined by a special guest. We have the wonderful Nikki Hodgson, journalist and author of The History of Dating, who's going to be giving us all her wisdom on men and how to handle them because we need some help. (laughs) So before the break, we were talking about porn on the tube and men who watch it. But it's not just porn. Like, I think behaviour on public transport has reached an all-time low. And Emma, you had an experience of that this week. Do you want to share? Yeah, I had... uh... Yeah, I had basically I got groped on the tube on Monday. It was a Monday morning, 6.30 a.m., going to my personal training class. I had, like, uh, workout leggings on, and I had this long duffel coat down to my knees. What I didn't realise is the back of this duffel coat goes up in, like, a V. And I'm standing, it's like the central line was packed. So I'm standing there, and suddenly I felt a sensation where I was not expecting to feel a sensation. I was like, I somebody just touched me there and I immediately turned around and there was a guy and the way he was standing I was like okay well maybe his hands brushed me but I was like that was if he did that that was pretty intensive for a brush and I was raging with anger what was your response to him so I didn't know what to do my mind was like flipping backwards and forwards going did he no he didn't surely he didn't but maybe he did how's the back of my coat like all these things going through my mind luckily I was listening to Beyonce's Lemonade album and I had the track Don't Hurt Yourself and if you've heard that track there is a really good line in there which is just a really feisty song so lucky I had that and I was like I cannot just not do anything but at the same time I didn't feel confident enough that 
I didn't feel badass enough that he'd actually done anything. So I was in shock. So I was literally in his face. I thought, you know what? The bare minimum that I can do is make him feel really uncomfortable until I get off this tube. Mm -hmm. And I was in his face, staring at him, and he couldn't look at me. He put his arm up to try and cover. Um, But I got off the tube and I was absolutely raging, like shaking. And I I just kind of wish I'd handle that. How are you feeling now? Like when I'm talking about it, I feel really angry. Like, really? Like, how dare you? Yeah. And you can always see you kind of shaking from it. It's you know, yeah. it's a physical sensation. And I think, you know, when you were talking about it, it was so interesting to hear because you were like, and I was wearing this coat, and but you know, I was wearing leggings, and I was, wearing, and we instantly go into justification on it. We're like, that it wasn't me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't me doing anything. You know, and that's insanity. Like, why do we behave like that? Now, what do you think? Well, so first of all, um, I don't travel at. I know it's six thirty, but I don't travel at rush hour. Partly because I don't like how close people are in my personal space. And I, I think that's part and parcel of how these things happen. People, and it's a similar thing, when you're so close to someone, you're like, someone's body is touching my rear end. And I'm yeah. not, I don't know if it's because we're all packed in like sardines or this is just inappropriately close. So I just don't travel for but my own isn't sanity. isn't that insane, that which time. is that we go, okay, well, I just won't travel then. You know, we just we just take ourselves out of the equation. I, it's not. I, I don't think it's necessarily for me. It's broad, it's broader than that. It's just my own mental well being. Traveling at that time with all it's of those people, it's just not good for you. Uh, I have less calls as a result. Even just having something where you, we know what we're going to say. So um, we were talking to a friend of ours, Olivia Bratzelia, and she said that actually her grandmother gave us some great advice which was um, when she was 14 she said if you're ever in this situation you say very loudly and clearly excuse me I think you're touching my vagina and that like you know because we still have a bit of a strong reaction to the word Mm -hmm. vagina quite frankly particularly if you say it very loudly and clearly in a public space takes everyone by shock you know I wish I'd said something I think for me I was like oh but but what if he didn't do it and what if he Mm -hmm. did brush against me rather than like actually I should have just done the default called him out Mm -hmm then he would have denied it probably he would have denied it but you know in that moment it becomes really really scary and i think this is another thing for women actually as a whole we need to band together so we need to amplify stuff Mm -hmm. like that so if you see a woman that that is happening to make a point of going up to her and saying are you okay do you want to come and stand over here Mm. yeah and i've done that to women on actually on a bus once when i could see that this guy was really like sitting way too close to her like kept trying to talk to her and I went up and I was like, there's a spare seat at the back. Do you want to join me? Yeah. Looking yeah. out for each other, isn't it? Which yeah. unfortunately, but even guys, can you look out for us too? Because yeah. I know it's not all guys doing this. It's some idiot ones. And yeah, that, that would be great. And yeah. I think also, actually, I'm going to put a thing out that the tr- public transport has to take it more seriously as well. Because I had an incident once where I was on a bus. I was on the top deck of a bus. It was just me and this guy both doing the thing I find really joyful, which is sitting at the front seat of the bus oh, on the top that. deck. So I great, isn't that. it? Yeah. Um, I was reading, for a bit of context, I was reading Harry Potter, people, not in any way like, <laughs> you know, A, an appropriate book for an adult, really, but, you know, nothing sexual. Um, and I sort of looked up for my Harry Potter and he had his penis out and was measuring no. himself. Yeah. And I looked down and I was like, has that just happened? And then I looked up and I was like, no, that definitely just happened. And he was wearing sunglasses and I sort of got my phone out and I very pointedly took a picture and then I panicked because I was like, what if he's going to get really aggressive with me? I'm up here by myself. So I went down onto the bottom and as the bus came to the bus stop, I said to the bus driver, um, I think you should know that there is a man on the top deck masturbating. 
and um, I'm probably aware that you're probably going to have to clean this up afterwards and I thought I should tell you because you might have a like a procedure for this <laughs> and the bus driver just rolled his eyes and went oh god not another one no yeah and that was it and it's like we can't normalise this behaviour it's no. not okay mm-hmm. and he would have seen that you've got they can see the yeah. top deck yeah yeah he would have been able to see and it just that's no action so I think for I guess what we're trying to say is when you're going out there have a response you know have something you know be you as can badass say. as possible be as badass like, as possible it's really hard but, but yeah. be badass and backing other people up as well yes men and women we yes. really really need that um, so as I said before the break we are now joined by Nikki Hodgson uh journalist and author of The History of Dating. Uh, Nikki, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thanks for being here. Tell us a little bit about your new book, The Curious History of Dating. Well, the title kind of says it all. (laughs) It isn't the history of dating across the whole world throughout every century, obviously. Um, It's a history of dating from Jane Austen's time to Tinder. And um, what kind of prompted you to write it? Uh, mm, that's a really good question, actually. Um, so I have been working around sex and relationships and dating for maybe seven or eight years. And um, I'd started to do a lot of consultancy work with dating organisations. And at the same time, I was writing a sex advice column for Men's Health magazine. And it was becoming apparent to me that um, people are just so desperate for more information about how to go about dating well. Uh, both men and women and um, it started to, as I started to answer people's queries and questions and try and help them kind of like fight their way through the melee I started to wonder you know did other people have so much trouble in the past I've always been a bit of a history geek and and you know I'm really impassioned about women's history in particular so I just thought maybe there's something in this and when I took the idea to my publisher they were really really interested um, and what? So yeah. what is the answer? Did women have as many problems trying to date in the Georgian times as they do now in the times of Tinder? They had different problems. Um, so it's really interesting. When you go back to Georgian times, the Georgians were the first set of people to be really into Lonely Hearts ads. Mm. And it's not something we know about. So, you know, in, in the end, uh, at the end of the 18th century, people would write these little adverts, send them off to coffee houses in London... They'd go into these matrimonial magazines, they'd be circulated around the country, and then if you're a woman, you had to send a male envoy to collect a response for you. So there would have been this huge delay in you set, you know, putting your message out there and, and getting responses. Um, but what was really curious about it is that people were much more straightforward about what they wanted than they are today in, in messaging and dating apps. So they would say straight away, um, I have 5,000 a year, you need to have 10,000, eventually there'll be a property for us to inherit, um, would like children, I'm of a fair disposition. And that, that would be it. And um, and they got on really well because they were quite honest about what their needs were. And so and that got me really thinking, you know, is one of our problems today the fact that we're all trying to play this game of like being too cool, not seeming too needy, not wanting to put it out there if we want marriage and children, all this kind of thing. But was that because at that time women needed to marry a certain guy to like they didn't have any rights so you had to be really picky about the kind of guy that you met to make sure that he looked after any of inheritance that you've got so so you had to be straightforward you're absolutely right Emma because up until that point um, women couldn't own their own property Um, if they inherited things that became the property of their husband even their children belonged to their husband so there was a um, a seminal divorce case in I think it was the 19th century where uh, one particular This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. 
Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. A lady fought for the right to keep her own children after a divorce. And the Married, property, Married Women's Property Act, which came in in 1870, was that, that was the deciding point about if you know, women did marry and did divorce or did marry anyway and saved the same husband, they would retain what they inherited. So that changed the dating game. So the other thing that's really fascinating is every time a new law comes in to protect women's rights, it it affords them new liberties in how they can go about choosing a partner. So where we are today, we are like doing a little bit of investigating this year. We're trying some new things with our dating life this year, Nikki. So as we said on last week's show, Nat, you're giving up apps. I am giving up apps. Uh, how, is that, how is that going, <laughs> darling? Do tell us, how is it going? Uh, we'll come back to this in... Uh badass bulls up <laughs> uh, I am still off the apps I'm officially still off the apps but I have a, a question to put out there uh, but I, I'm curious about the future because I, I think there's something in this being really down the line about what you want and you know in my 20s I'd be really straightforward I need over a six footer I'd like some tattoos please and uh, I'd ask for a few more things and I got what I wanted. It's not necessarily the guy that I should be marrying, but I definitely got what I wanted. But there's something in that. And now we spend a lot of time in a hazy sort of place of, well, I just want someone that's good to me and I want someone that's kind. So you get a kind of nothingness. How In future, where are we going to go? Will we get back to that really blunt place of, this is what I want, find me a guy like this, you know, matchmaking agencies, because I'm sure that was a part of of sort of historical dating uh, pre-technology yeah Um, definitely so 1930s is when we had the first marriage bureau there was some in the Victorian era but they weren't used that widely and that was the first time two women decided they were going to create one so that kind of changed the game um I think, yeah, it's really interesting. The more particular you are, the better your chance of finding somebody that you can stay with. And that's that. every time I was studying a new period in history, that became apparent. Um, so women, I think women in particular have to get over this anxiety of of asking. Like, we're not very good at asking for what we really, really want. We're, we're, we're the accommodating ones. We're the ones that will say, okay, he doesn't look like the kind of guy that I want. And maybe he's not really, he doesn't read enough books. And maybe he doesn't really understand what I do. But, you know... 
he's loving most of the time and that's good enough just Men- for reference I've never asked for a guy that needs any books just <laughs> well, saying okay. I'm just I'm just coming me. up with I'm coming up with one example that you know for, for example okay, sorry, yeah. Um, so yeah I think that's definitely going to be a feature and it's interesting that that matchmaking agencies are definitely on the resurgence. I actually did a stint as a Silicon Valley matchmaker a couple of years ago, um, and I was basically matching tech geeks with these like very highfalutin, very skilled women in the city. And and, and uh, how did it work out? Yeah, I mean, it didn't what work was your out success so well. rate? Well, what we what we figured out really quickly is that we needed to offer coaching before they could be matched. <laughs> right. So it's like, can you dress yourself? Can you hold a knife and fork? Oh my I goodness. mean, it was America, yeah. but um, <laughs> it. It was it was a fascinating insight so that matchmaking um element is definitely going to be more popular in the future and the other thing is that um apps are becoming more sophisticated and that they're figuring out there are other ways to find a partner which which is not just based on the algorithm that's been the traditional method oh what do i like do they like the same things that's a good way to find as a partner apparently it doesn't work like that so pheromone testing is one of the really new and next big areas in which we're going to start matching one another. I'm excited about that because I, I I do really like a good smelling man. Yeah. It's a really big, important thing for me. Mm-hmm. So we are going to go to a break, but when we come back, we will be looking at our badass balls up. So your problems and how we solve them. Nikki is going to be staying with us and giving us the benefit of her wisdom as well. Um, we're going to be answering some of the questions, including is it ever possible to enjoy being catcalled? Um, what do you do when somebody is just being downright stingy about paying you at work? And the big question, when should you send sexy pictures? And do you take your face out of them? Yes, you do. Join us again <laughs> after the break. Across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. On Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Welcome back to the Badass Women's Hour on Talk Radio. We are three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster, and a whole load of badass. So we are going into our badass balls-ups, where we'll be solving your problems with our combined nearly 100 years of wisdom and mistakes and things we are going to tell you you shouldn't do and we know from experience. Um, We're also joined by Nikki Hodgson, author and columnist, and I'm here, Harriet Minter, with my fabulous co-hosts, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. And who is starting us off with our first big problem of the week? I think it might be you, Nat. So uh, earlier on in the week, we did a photo sheet which was a lot of fun, ladies. It was, it was must great say. fun. Thank a you to Holly McGlynn. Yes, yeah. definitely. Um, and when we got the photos back, I was like, oh, <laughs> is that me? <laughs> That's rather fabulous. <laughs> and it would make a great photo for my new Tinder profile. You look so hot that day. Can I just I, say, yeah. you looked incredible. <laughs> I w- was almost a little bit in love with you that day. Uh, I was in love with me too, which is why I put it on Instagram <laughs> and got like a whole load of likes. And then I thought, well... What would be different about my Tinder dating experience if I used this photo versus the ones I used previously? So for those of you that cannot see me, I have new hair as well. Uh, so I usually have a short sort of crop thing. And it's not it's not to all guys' taste. And I, I definitely don't do my, my hair for men at all. I do my hair for me. But I thought, okay, this photo is a lot softer and feminine. That's what everyone said across the board. What would be different? And I'm now toying with trying out my Tinder profile with these new photos. I, I'm wearing a whole face of makeup as well. I am contoured to an inch of my life 
what should I do? Oh my god! To but Tinder I mean, or I'm, not to Tinder I would again. post. I don't, yeah. It's an experiment, right? Why not? I mean, I don't know about you, but I've definitely updated my WhatsApp picture occasionally <laughs> when I know they're really, really good, purely to toy with people that I no longer speak to, but are still on my WhatsApp list. <laughs> and I know when they've been online. So, I mean, I think, you know, if you've got a great photo and it makes you feel great and you think you look fabulous in it, then for God's sakes, put it up there. If it's not 10 years out of date. If it's you now, yeah. add it. Yeah. I would only say do it if it's a look you can replicate. Oh, good point, Nikki. <laughs> now, so over no. the years, we had a makeup artist. Having, so it's I, not something I can yeah, well, I have a makeup artist, Ooh. and a lot of my income goes on paying my makeup artist for specific <laughs> events. And the more people see me made up in this way, the more I'm having to pay for it. Um, so, so, and the other thing that I learned especially because I do broadcasting, is if you look a bit crap in some of your pictures online and then you look better in the flesh, people are pleasantly surprised and react more warmly to you. But if you turn up not looking like that, they just think, oh. So that was... They, they, it changes their perception so especially with men and pictures on dating apps you need a really good picture to capture their attention but make sure you can kind of approximate the look yourself so just on that note I have turned up to a date and on two occasions and the guy has said you look much better in person than you do in your photos that's brilliant me. that's like, exactly what you want someone to say and your photo on Tuesday that doesn't look different to you it's just you with like red lips oh thanks babe so I actually turned up to a date once where a guy looked me up and down and went oh I thought you'd be shorter I mean, I'm 5'3". I don't know how much shorter you thought I was going to be. <laughs> so that was a joyous, a joyous Tinder dating story there for am you. I, am, I posting, am I reposting and rejoining Tinder then? Yes. Yes. For the experiment. I want to hear. Yeah, for the experiment. Yeah. We'll give the you, stories. Give we you a week. Okay. Um, but it does bring us into like a wider point, right, which is dating and pictures. Yes. And it's, it's a scary thing because I don't know about you, but I get a lot of requests for pics and I quite frankly blame the sun and their page three policy for this because many like boobs seem to think that women like taking pictures of them should i be sending them i don't think so but ladies what do we think what are the rules guys always ask for pictures and then they want to send you pictures i just think they're nobody wants to see that i think that's what it's actually about it's really interesting when you're talking about the problems that you've had on the tube as well and the problems on the bus in my experiences and from the things i learned as a pro dom Men are incredibly narcissistic, but it's hidden quite well in our society because we you have more visual images of women. Men are desperate to show themselves off. So and nine times out of ten, they're asking for a pic because they really want to show themselves. Hang on, we just need to take a pause and clarify. Because <laughs> we didn't, we like, we said, Nikki, author and journalist, but also pro-dom. Nikki, just for, for the readers at home, what does that mean? Um, I was a professional dominatrix on and off for about five years of my life. It was basically to pay for my interning in the media. And oh. I was a journalist before it, and I'm a journalist after yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, that's what we know. Sex so, sells, media doesn't. Yeah. Um, what does being a pro-dominatrix, what does that entail? Um, basically putting men in their place. So you would be great <laughs> okay. on public transport with badly behaved men. <laughs> oh, I have many strategies for that. I relish the opportunity <laughs> to do that. But although, as I've got older, I've realised that I will give, I'm basically giving them something for free that I used to get paid a lot of money for. So I will only go mental on extreme occasion and if it's really for the good of somebody else oh, I don't do it for a, myself anymore give us a tip give me one thing that what would I do on public yeah, transport yeah what could I have done um, as a pro dog I, I would have said something like oh I feel like maybe that was your micro penis that just touched me oh <laughs> does your micro penis need some attention <laughs> something like that, that something that like one. that just go straight look them yeah. right in the eye <laughs> I'm on to you. Yeah. I said that if you say that to a man, I am on to you. They will that. every That's time they'll line. panic because they're always up to something. Okay, can we move this from the bus to the boardroom? 
<laughs> what would you do if you were sitting around a board table with a man? You know, a group of guys started having a conversation and cut you out. Well, it happens quite frequently on television. I realise that the gender, um, the sort of gender patterns of speech, you know, how many utterances men make to how many utterances women make become really um, amplified on TV. So you just have to bust right in there and be, excuse me, or talk straight over them. But it's really hard because it's not how we've been conditioned to interact. Give me a sassy line. Yeah, if, well, it depends what they're talking about, you know. I mean, if you can cut into the actual topic, that's always the best thing. Because they, in that kind of like male-dominated situation, they're probably thinking that you don't have an opinion. Um, I always like when I'm when people talk over me or talk over another woman. Actually, when people talk over another woman in a meeting, and I like to say, "Oh, I'm sorry. I think we were listening to Emma." Or even better, if they repeat something that another woman is that a woman has said, I like to say, "Oh, fantastic point, Tom. Thanks so much for making it and for repeating the brilliant point that Emma made earlier <laughs> in a much more succinct way." Thanks. <laughs> the other thing to do is get their attention by saying "penis." It kind of works every single time. So you can Sorry, be like, randomly. "So you can just no, well, you can just well, you could randomly just shout it out, or you could just be like, "When you finished crossing swords with your penises, can we go back to the actual point in hand?" That's good. <laughs> so. Ladies, learning from all this wisdom, if we were to come up with like five tips for what to do when a man says, oh, send me a pic, what do we need to know? What are those five things? No. Emma? Definitely just... don't put your head in there. You've got to go, hang on, if you really fall out with this person and they want to be a bit of an idiot and that goes online, you want to just be unidentifiable. Not I... speaking from personal experience. <laughs> <laughs> no, but on the other hand, you do have revenge porn laws to protect you now. Which you is do, something really still. good. So you've got yes, but you know, men don't tend to disseminate those pictures. Actually, it's, it's I think it's a bit of a myth that we think that's what they're going to do. They might share them with friends, but they're not likely to post them on sites. Yeah, I'm still saying put a great filter on it. Put yeah. a filter on it. Look what's going on in the background. Ask them for a picture first. Actually, great point. Ask them for a picture first. Emma, like very good. Look what's going on in the background. Nobody wants to see a messy bedroom. Dress your set. <laughs> and uh, quite frankly, don't send them to anyone that you don't bloody trust. Don't trust a no. Like, don't do that, ladies. Well, it's, it's just and the other helping. thing is you can always use Snapchat, you know, because they have to be really... I mean, they, they can definitely screen grab and plenty of people will do that, but, you know, they have to be really on it. It's I'm going to throw another one out there. You can just say no. Yeah. Oh, yeah, don't send one. That's, That's a good the safest way. Just say no. But I'm going to... Sometimes, sometimes it's fun. <laughs> 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 so our next problem and kind of along the same thing so we've had um Emma about cat calling this weekend so you've had this tell me what the problem is yeah so this I I always feel it's a bit controversial and I was chatting to a girlfriend about this she's a you know feminist um and I think there's something around catcalling that as a feminist you should go, no, that's bad, we can't be objectified as, as women. And my friend was like, the thing is, I secretly quite like it. I'm like 42 and I actually like somebody acknowledging me in the street. That feels good. So why do we think it's that you can't be a feminist and say I like being catcalled? Because I find it, do you know what, when I was 17, yeah, I really liked it. Now I'm 35, I find it really uncomfortable. Why does that happen? I feel like there's two types of catcalling. There's the catcalling that I get when I go running, when I have deliberately dressed to not be, to be as least attractive as possible, and I still get catcalled. To me, that is uh, intimidating behavior and that is unwanted sexual attention but then there's catcalling when you look good and somebody just acknowledges you or looks or goes hello and it's not 
not offensive. And I actually don't think I don't think there's anything bad about objectification. I think the problem is in society, women are always objectified. So I, I see it differently. I, I, you can sense aggression with it. So I personally, if someone whistles or says looking good or hey there I will respond Miles thank you not looking too bad yourself or be like not you love some whatever it's the aggression if there's aggression with it yeah then we're having a standoff yeah um and I will respond because you are actually now in my space with your verbal but I I think it's part and parcel whether I've dressed up for it or not in fact the worse I look the more I'm like oh <laughs> but does that make it very complicated for men? Because we're saying, yeah, 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 no, don't catcall us. It's really awful. We don't like it. It feels really aggressive. Oh, except when we're looking great. And then go for it. Thanks. But then I think women objectify men. And there is still a line that women can cross where it is predatory and it's uncomfortable for guys versus guys going, oh, yeah, that woman's checking me out or acknowledging me. So I think we can both do it. I don't think it's just guys. So final question, because we're running short on time. Um, So I have this problem this week. So this is my problem. You can help me. I um, do a lot of public speaking and I go and talk for a lot of corporations and um, do talks for them and I am usually very well paid for that and this week somebody asked me to do it I asked them to pay me and they said oh we're on a really tight budget so we can't afford to pay you however if you would like we'll donate your fee to charity and I was sort of completely flummoxed by this it would have been one thing if they just said to me we can't afford to pay you fair enough but clearly they had the money. They just didn't want to give it to me. And I felt like, oh, God, should I say yes because it's going to charity? I don't know. What should I have done, Emma? Well, I think one, it was quite a big corporation, wasn't it? Yeah. So it wasn't like a small business at all. No. And I think the charity card, the thing is, you know, you are an independent, uh, you know, sole trader, as it were. You do a lot of stuff you know you're doing an event for us later this month for flock and you're speaking for like little or no payment at all how are you meant to do that if you're then still working for free for these big corporates so i mm. it's really i i just feel like that's is that just a one size fits all policy i mean i would have said no not don't do it and no. you know when we were talking about it earlier on in the week it was the same thing i would i would go back and say i already have a proportion of my time that i give to charity and i can do that because the organisations and the large, the global corporates that can afford to pay, do pay. But I get to decide it's not determined by my clients. So therefore, there is a fee for this work. Because I can guarantee you the person that was asking that is not turning down their bonus and giving that to charity. Absolutely. That is a badass answer. Charity. Nikki, tell us before you go, what would you do with a client that just wouldn't pay? Well, it doesn't work like that because you take <laughs> you take the money first. <laughs> they do. can't not oh, pay. As soon as they're through the door, that's it. Such Rule a badass. for life. <laughs> We've got a lot to learn. <laughs> Okay, so we're saying a very big goodbye and thank you to the fabulous Nikki Hodgson, journalist and author of The Curious History of Dating. Is that available now, Nikki? Uh, 26th of January, so Friday. Nice. And it's Kindle and Hardback. So. 26th of January, so do go and buy it because I've had a read it and it is very funny and very brilliant. Um, we'll be back in our next section talking about our backdated badass, the one woman from history that you absolutely know about and she is just a sporting legend. Um, and we'll also be giving you our rule for the week ahead. Join us again. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Welcome back to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. 
I'm Harriet Minter. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Emma Sexton and Natalie Campbell. Ladies, welcome back. We are now going into this part of the show where we talk about a woman from history that we think you should all know about, our backdated badass. And this week's is just a total sporting legend and an amazing, incredible woman. Nat, tell us about her. So this week we're going to... uh pay tribute to Lady Hayho Flint. Now, if I'm being honest, I didn't know much about her in terms of sport, but as a as a baroness and a life peer, I have come across her work. Um, to give you some background, in 1976, uh, women were still not allowed to attend Lords, the cricket ground. And it was there where she you know made history she what did po- she do what she played a uh, a historic one day international against australia uh and until that point the only other woman that had attended lords was the queen so a major major shift and so they let her in and she actually she didn't just attend she actually played there she played she played on the grounds um and it's I was reading some of the, the, the obituaries and she said that moment left her you know, in, a, in an emotional place, which I think you can say has charted the rest of her, her career as a campaigner and an activist to ensure that women in sport are recognised. She did an awful lot to make sure that women could be members of the MCC. Which is like, for those of, those of you listening who have no idea, which I didn't prior to this, the MCC is like the governing body for cricket and they are quite keen on keeping it men only. They've only only just relented, haven't they, Emma? Yeah, they let women in in 1999, and then they made her an honorary member. Mm -hmm. And in uh, 2010, she became the first woman to be inducted into the International Cricket Council's Hall of Fame. Uh, But that was just, that was her sporting life. She was also a charity fundraiser, uh, which then, you know, meant that she became a a conservative life peer in, in 2011. So she's done an awful awful lot to support women uh, and women's rights more broadly and do you think is that something that um is there a pressure on women who really excel in one area to then go on and excel in other areas to be this kind of polymath that she clearly was but also to support women through all those areas emma well, she's a bit of a trailblazer, isn't she? Mm. And we really need women like that who are going to go, OK, I've been successful here or I've trailblazed here. And she clearly started to get herself in different positions of power and influence. And I think as a woman, if you're getting into these different parts, especially in something like sport and cricket, you can really influence change. And I think you kind of owe it to everybody to get in there and change things. And I think what was so interesting about what we're saying, she was working within a system, right? So mm. she didn't stand there and just protest about the system she said I'm not happy with it but this is what it is so how do I make them accept me and that took you know 40 years of trying but she did eventually get there and I tend to be somebody who just wants to smash a system down but actually there's a lot to be said for being able to wangle your way in and work through it and what it gives to you make change happen slowly and actually I don't know if you've seen the uh, it's the women's world cup cricket this year at Lords. And the advertising that I've seen, that the billboards have gone down now, but for about two months there was this really amazing campaign, great visual, and uh, it was the first time ever I think I've seen female sport yeah. being represented in the same way that male sport and being advertised at that same tone. It was it was really good. Yeah, I remember seeing that. I think one of the things that, that came to mind, again, reading 
uh, reading the, the the copy about her was that growing up she excelled as you said she was a polymath in hockey netball and rounders and there's something about that that is then translated into her career she's done lots of things and she's excelled in that and it's maybe something to think about for our friends that are good in, in multiple things as you're building your career you don't just have to do one thing you can be amazing at lots of things and you can do all of the different things you enjoy to give you a full and rounded life and that's what I really took away because we're, we're often pigeonholed into doing one thing but she didn't do that she had multiple bits to her her career and her life and I think that's what makes her such a legend and also such a kind of interesting point about the um, stamina and drive that playing sport mm. at a young age gives you right it really yeah. does teach you important lessons she also did you read the other bit where somebody asked her and in, when she was interviewed kind of in the 70s and were asked her about if women had the same um, protection for their genitalia as men she <laughs> said yes we do and they're called manhole covers badass she is a true backdated badass thank you hey ho flint we are very proud to have had you on the show um, and every week we close out our show with a principle for the week a badass principle for you to live your your life by so this week now what is our principle our principle of the week is enjoy sex and it's it's different to last week's which was you know celebrate family in in tone but i mean very different in tone very, i think very, <laughs> very, but connected nonetheless uh, but I, you know i wanted to share this one given the conversation that we've had today and I, I mean sex in a broad sense i mean your your body your space your own pleasure and no when you want to invite people into that space and control that space in a way that suits you and but th- demand it and i think what we're saying within that is like it's actually about in order to actually be able to truly enjoy sex as a woman i think you have to be able to know where your boundaries are mm-hmm. and how you exert those boundaries how you say no to stuff that is unacceptable to you and how you ask for what you want and that's something that we all need to be better at in life i think i really like this one <laughs> to <laughs> you emma but mainly because is it me, because you're not having sex for 90 days <laughs> If you watch, mm. listen to our last show, you'll know that Emma <laughs> claims to not be having sex for 90 days at the start of a new no, relationship. No, hang on. No, no, no. I said How? not having sex with someone that I'm dating for 90 days doesn't mean, say no sex. Can we oh. just caveat that? We didn't. Oh, anyway, okay. we found but the loophole. I really like this. I really like this. There's always a loophole. I'm a creative. I can think myself my way around anything. I like this one because I think for a long time, women are not allowed to enjoy sex because if you enjoy sex, and I was thinking about this very one dimensional because. Mm. I guess I just was. Um, <laughs> but when we're not allowed to enjoy sex. If you enjoy sex, you get, you, you know, you're promiscuous, you're slutty. And I really fight hard for this because uh, I really want women, this is my like next thing, women to really claim their sexuality mm. and to enjoy sex and to enjoy pleasure and to be able to ask what they want in the bedroom because I do not want to read articles about the orgasm gap. That's a topic for another show. So, yes, ladies, enjoy sex. We deserve it. I think such a fun principle to live by this week. Yep. So we have been the Badass Women's Hour. That's all we've got time for today on Talk Radio. But we will be back next week with another show with me, Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. But in the meantime, if you're missing us, you can find our podcast, The Badass Women's Hour, on iTunes or Audio Boom, Or you can follow us on Twitter at The Badass Women's Hour. Badass Women's Hour is HR. Um, or you can follow me at Harriet Minter, Nat at Nat D. Campbell and Emma at Emma Sexton or Talk Radio at Talk Radio UK and we will be back next week with more backdated badasses more badass balls ups and all the news and opinions we can fit into an hour join us then 
Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.